Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. So taking risks has become a contact sport for me, but it hasn't always been that way. You see, I grew up in the Midwest in the 70s in a hardworking middle-class family full of love, and I'm the oldest of three girls. I also grew up Catholic, and what that means for me is I always feel guilty for the good things that come into my life. And I don't, I don't feel worthy of them, and I'm always second-guessing myself. And let's face it, in the 70s, girls weren't socialized to take risks or even dream about what we wanted our futures to be like. But I always admired people that took risks, and I thought, wow, they're so brave and they're so smart. So, um, but I also grew up in a family of um, really strong women. My paternal grandmother and her sisters, they were a force to be reckoned with. And they were great storytellers, and they, um, they just brought so much love to the family. And I'm really close to all my cousins on that side of the family. So I kind of had this sense of girl power um, around me. And I had this great aunt who, um, my uncle had died, and so she needed to um, go off and work. And she was always so put together. She had the, the matching shoes with the purse, and I just thought, oh, wow, she, you know, she just really got it all together. <laughs> and, you know, let's not forget Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, there's a woman that could march into Mr. Grant's office when she had something she needed to say. And she always, she had her own apartment and she dated and she made her own money and no one needed to take care of her and that's what I wanted for myself. Now, I also didn't have a lot of role models for higher education in my family. Um, my parents' um, generation, both sides of the family, no one has a college education. And even my generation, out of dozens of cousins on both sides of my family, only a handful of cousins before me went off to university. So when I got the assignment my senior year in high school to do a short paper on a career that I might be interested in, I took stock. I'd always been told that I'm good with numbers. I was taking advanced, advanced math classes. I mean, I liked math, and I was the only girl in the math club. And so I thought, well, I've got a few things to work with here. So I went off to the local library, and I found the series of books that focused on careers, and I pulled out the books that kind of focused on math-related um, careers, and I paged through the, um, the book, finding the career that was going to make me the most money. And that career was a computer programmer. So I decided then and there, writing that paper, that I was going to be a computer programmer. So that fall, I marched off to Northern Illinois University. It's about 50 miles outside Chicago, where I lived. And it worked out well, because it was far enough for me to live away from home, but close enough to live by my, to be close to my boyfriend at the time, um, where I could kind of get home on weekends. Because you see, he hadn't gone off to university. He was just kind of working some odd jobs. So off I went um, to Northern, and I dove right into my uh, math classes and my computer classes. I mean, I declared my major right away, major computer science and minor in business administration. And 
I really chugged through those computer classes. And, you know, these were the days when you were punching those, we had to punch these rectangular cards um, in order to put into a card reader. And, you know, they'd get jammed. And I'd carry these boxes around. And if I got stuck in a rainstorm or I dropped that box, I'd start all over. So, needless to say, there were many nights in the computer lab trying to get my programs to work. And I'll never forget one morning calling my mom, really crying and being like, Mom, I, I, I don't think I can hack this. It's just, it's really tough for me. And in her words of wisdom, she didn't realize it at the time, she said to me, you can come home, but then what are you going to do? And this had to be really hard for her because, I mean, you know, she didn't have a college education. She got married young and had her kids young. And, and she was worried for me and she was really concerned. But it's exactly what I needed at the time because I went back to my classes and I finished my degree in three and a half years because I was sick of being broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, here I, I finished up, so I um, got my job by October, I was graduating in December, and no one was more proud of me than my parents. But this is where kind of one of my first realities, maybe of adulthood, kind of came in. You see, I learned soon that the salary that I would be making right out of college was similar to what my father was making at the time. And this was really tough for me because, don't forget, I don't feel worthy of this. Now, like I said, they were very proud of me, but it still it weighed very heavy on me. So I stepped into adulthood with my business suit and my bow. This is when we were wearing pantyhose and suits to work. My purse and matching shoes. I had fun. I had lots of fun. I went skydiving a few times. I certified in scuba diving. I trained to do um, a century um, for uh, cycling for um, charity. I've um, taken classes in um, improv. So I, I've kind of run the gamut, but one of my favorite things was bucket list item. I love jazz, and to be a jazz singer, if not for one night, and fortunate for me, I found two awesome um, Portland um, jazz singer women, and they did a, um, a workshop that kind of culminated in um, a night singing in a local club. So check that off the bucket list. So um, my husband and I have kind of had some adventures too. Um, we moved to Portland about 16 years ago. We had taken about eight to 10 months off of work, and decided we were gonna visit a few cities and figure out where we wanted to live. Because you see, between the two of us, no family member lives in the same state, and they're kind of sprinkled through the Midwest and the East Coast. But after like three years of some intense medical treatments, I just decided I wanted to start my life over. So he was along for the ride, and we, with no place to live and no jobs, the moving truck pulled up, they packed it up, and we said, we'll be in touch to tell you where to drop the things off. <laughs> so that was an adventure. <laughs> and I'm glad to say it was a good adventure. Portland is definitely home for us now. Um, I've also had some interesting career um, choices, opportunities. 
about um, five or six years ago, after being with this organization about seven years, I moved from um, my 25 years in IT, from being a programmer to a business analyst to a project manager, um, I decided I wanted to do something that felt like I was contributing more to society. So I um, applied for a position in the nonprofit group within the same organization. Well, this was all great until we learned I was going to have to take a 23% pay cut. Because you see, when you work in IT, in organizations, there's usually a premium on those salaries. They call them the golden handcuffs, being in an IT position. And so this did not go over well with my husband because we had these agreed upon financial targets for our retirement, and this is going to put a little damper on them. But he wanted me to be happy, so we agreed that this is the best move for me. Well, to both of our pleasure, about five months later, I get a call from HR, and they tell me what I did was kind of unprecedented, kind of leaving IT into, it was, it was um, an um, operations manager for, for, for our global nonprofit branch, and they said, this is kind of unprecedented what you did, and we don't think you should be penalized. So we are going to give you your five months back pay and reinstate your salary. So, <laughs> so th this was a really good lesson for me because I just, you know, it was at that point I realized if I follow my heart, I don't know how, I don't know when, maybe not if, but, you know, it, it will come back to me. I just really need to follow my heart. So along that note, about two years ago, I decided, um, based on the fact that I'd met and exceeded our financial goals for retirement, that it was time for me to retire. <laughs> uh, if you thought that first conversation with my husband about changing roles was a good one, this one was really good. <laughs> um, he just felt I was a little too young to retire. And he, um, and, and I was equally nervous. Is our money gonna last? We have to pay a boatload of money for you know, insurance now. And you know, even for the relationship, you don't kind of talk about what the day-to-day -day is going to look like for a relationship when the two of you are home. It's a lot of extra together time. <laughs> <laughs> but we persevered, and I'm happy to say, about a year ago, um, I retired. So, here I am. What now? And, you know, about this time, friends and family are asking me, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to start a nonprofit? Are you going to... Um, consult, and I just thought, oh God, you know, I want to just take a step back. I've been, you know, working for a lot of years, and I just felt like I wanted new experiences, new people. I just, I wanted different things in my life, and if I kept doing more of the same, I'm just going to get more of the same. So this past year, I've been just putting myself out there. I've been volunteering in the community, um, and I kind of have this model, the more uncomfortable, the better. Um, because, you know, you never know who you're going to meet or what you're going to do. I mean, I'm up here, aren't I? So, <laughs> so here I am in this part of my journey. And it really did. This is part of that journey. And, you know, I'm not up here telling the story that I thought I was going to tell. You see, this story found me. Because I have found that I am a risk taker, 
and I am worthy of all the good that comes into my life. 